0: therapy unwound i am your host jenny walker and today i am with the De delightful
1: it's me it's sophie brown Yay!
0: <laughs> welcome to the bookery today is our first book review for therapy unwound and i'm really excited because we are looking at dr john deloney's redefining anxiety
1: we certainly are it's a um, it's a quick read but a brilliant read is that a spoiler spoiler
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it also it's a very good listen
1: Yes, fantastic. And that is actually how I, in inverted read the book. I listened to the audio version and very much enjoyed his accent.
0: Yes, he's got a very good Texan drawl, I have to say. And um, I was going to introduce the bookery as the Godalming John Deloney fan club.
1: That is pretty much, again, another little spoiler alert. That I think that is pretty much where we land on this. We are big, big fans of John Deloney. If you haven't ever heard of him before... I would recommend a quick Google. I know you enjoy a lot of his YouTube content, don't you? And I this, do. Yeah, his, um, so you do a week, weekly radio show? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a prolific content creator. Yes. And well, today... his team
0: is. He just sits there with a the microphone, much yeah. like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> very, very good. Well, today we're focusing on his Redefining Anxiety book, which came out in 2020.
0: Yes. And it came out in 2020, but also includes the pandemic.
1: It does. It must be the most modern read mm. available. I was um, I was really surprised, actually, that the pandemic content was kind of in there because I hadn't realised quite how current it was when I downloaded it.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. And the thing that I liked the most about it is that anxiety is not your identity. No, I think
1: that is probably the most important theme of the book, is that you can be anxious and have anxiety, but it is not who you are. It no. is not a personality trait.
0: No, it's an. They are anxious episodes within your life.
1: Yeah, and is, are you okay if I take this? Yeah, answer? go for it. <laughs> but, uh, the number one thing I think that John Deloney, his main message is that anxiety is a fire alarm within the body. So if the alarm is going off, something somewhere else is in trouble. Yeah, and that is, I think, possibly a message that gets a bit lost in modern UK society. I think a lot of people here now identify as anxious or say I have anxiety mm. without perhaps acknowledging that that is a, a by-product of another issue and I thought that was really fascinating that John Delaney's very plain very clear, like plain speaking anxiety is just the alarm something else is the issue
0: yeah and he says it in three kind of like mini sentences anxiety is just a symptom Anxiety is a signal. Anxiety is not the problem.
1: Yeah. But it's quite hard to remember that when you're suffering. Yeah. Especially if your anxiety manifests itself physically. So you are literally struggling to breathe. Yeah. (laughs) Struggling to sleep. Struggling to eat because you can't kind of make your body feel normal. I think in those moments, you would be hard pressed to find somebody who (laughs) says, No, this is just a product. (laughs) Yeah,
0: this isn't a problem. (laughs) This is just the firearms to tell you that something else needs to be dealt with. (laughs) And in your anxious state, you think, Oh my gosh, what is worse than this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that goes into how I think it's interesting how he brings up the fact that actually feelings rule. Mm. this thing Mm. it's experiential and it's tacit it's kind of like a lived experience but there isn't actually a proper diagnosis like blood test mri scan to medically diagnose anxiety anxiety.
1: yeah and isn't it so fascinating because as we just said it has such physical impact Mm. but there is no physical way that a doctor could like Jen said, take your blood, take your you know, take your scat, put your a yeah. down, whatever it is, and tell you, yep, that's anxiety. But um, it's also interesting because then I kind of sometimes wonder: is this anxiety, or am I just stressed? Is this yes. anxiety, or is life just a bit tricky at the moment? And I think it just makes it so unclear, doesn't it?
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I see it on the massage couch a lot. People who have had really. Anxious episodes, and it can be numerous attacks during the day. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have one kind of anxiety-ridden episode, and therefore you know that's it. It can affect their sleep, and they haven't, you know, they've been awake five times in a night. Mm -hmm. Their muscles are really—I don't know how to describe it other than brittle. There's just a brittleness to the body, and there's no ease in there. Their hormones are up and down. Their sugar intake is way too high Mm -hmm. because they're trying to get their adrenals and their insulin. It's just like it's a bit of a mess, really. And for me it's quite hard to then say, "Well, actually this is a fire alarm yeah. as a therapist it's quite hard to step into that point and go kind of go, maybe you need to go and talk to somebody and work out what the root
1: cause of this is yeah yeah I can I can so imagine this is slightly moving away from the book, but it's not really how um have you seen an increase do you think in the number of patients who suffer with anxiety? Oh yeah, yeah. for sure
0: in fact i wouldn't I would go so far as to say that I am now cautious in 2021, when people say, no, anxiety is, isn't an issue right now. Wow. Yeah, um, I think because of the change that society has seen over the last year and the way that that change has been managed from afar for a mm. lot of people, and it's been completely out of their control, I think stress bordering on anxiety is now the new norm within Cornerstone Therapies really easily. And yeah, it's a it's a big thing that we deal with.
1: Yeah, it's just so fascinating because one of the points that John makes in the book is around how the American Medical Journal mm. is so outdated but yet is still what the doctors out there kind of work yeah absolutely and I think we've probably got a very similar version in the UK so what you're seeing in Cornerstone Mm. is you've got to imagine reflective of what is happening across wider society but I don't know if we are forward thinking enough yet on how anxiety is managed and I think that's something that I really got from the book is how John's approach to his personal experiences with anxiety he really kind of stripped everything back and went right to the beginning Mm. and I just don't believe that that's how we're encouraged to deal with it at the moment in this country,
0: for sure. And I think with the amount of mental health issues that are going to arise in the next couple of years after this amazing episode, cause <laughs> I don't even want to say the word, mm. but it's going to be really tough to kind of like go through and not cookie cutter yeah. a healthcare system around anxiety and stress. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've just opened the book, so if you can hear flicking, that's what it is. But he described his um, general anxiety attack as this. I woke up almost every night between the witching hours of 2 a.m. and 3.30 a.m. It was maddening. It didn't matter whether I took prescription sleep medication, used lavender-infused essential oil potion, did deep breathing and yoga, or tried any number of faux pop psychological offerings offered on the internet. Without fail, I would collapse from exhaustion sometime after 10 pm and be wide awake a few short hours later. Mm. And I just love the way that he was so honest in his introduction about how that actually ripped his body apart.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the form of torture, right? Not yeah. being able to sleep. And I think, you know, sleep is such a big part of our physical well-being and your mental well-being and it just lack of sleep perpetuates every other bad feeling in your body absolutely (laughs) and I think I agree with you actually that the his opening to this book is so striking yeah it's so personal it's so emotive it really makes you kind of stop and imagine Mm. his scenario and and I really I really actually appreciated him being so honest and personal throughout this yeah because he really crosses the line. He obviously knows his stuff from a medical perspective. Oh, totally. Yeah. He obviously knows his stuff from a personal perspective. And he really kind of brilliantly winds them together. Yeah. yeah and, and I really appreciate that because it's just quite It's quite helpful sometimes to hear that first-person experience, isn't mm. it?
0: And I like the way that he, he... There's a moment in the book where he flips it on its head. It's just like, because it is not your identity, mm. you are in control of this. And when the dragon of anxiety enters the house, it's up to you... To tell the dragons to leave the house, yeah. And you have to create your own ecosystem. And I love the term ecosystem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like... You really do need a system because actually, when anxiety hits, you don't feel in a position to be in control of it. Mm. You know, quite often the whole the whole reason it becomes so overwhelming is because you're so tired, you're so stressed, you feel so sick. Yeah. And that is not an ideal position to say, "Hey." dragon yeah <laughs> I'm in charge of you <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely I'm going to get on top of you and I'm going to show you in the door
1: so unless you have a system mm. and unless you take his very holistic approach to managing anxiety yeah you're not going to get there are you
0: no and what is his holistic approach <laughs> to anxiety <laughs> he, oh sorry no go for it
1: well yeah I think he takes such a brilliant three-pronged attack mm. so he's kind of obviously gone down the medical route and gone into a course of medication to help with his anxiety but then he's also dealt with the root cause and then he's also opened up to his family and colleagues and friends Mm. and said hi i'm not doing very well yeah um and it's kind of the combination isn't it that gives you the solution
0: and i loved his view on medication it for me it was real kind of like oh finally somebody said it medication is not a bad thing no But you need to know what the plan is to get off it.
1: Which is just might like it's so simple. Yeah. But you just don't think of it. And it's so fantastic an approach to take. To medication such as, you know, anti anxiety or antidepressants where you may not have kind of thought about how long term is this, how short term is this, what am I hoping to get out of this. Mm. And I thought, yeah, it was just one of those sentences where you read it or hear it, in our case, and think, Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course you want to plan
0: in and out. Yes. And it was just that I love the, the fresh approach of saying to your healthcare provider. So in, in the UK, it would be our GPs, our general mm. practitioners. And usually within a general practice consultation time, you only have about five minutes, don't you? Five, yeah. or ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that time, you've kind of got to go, yes, I'm feeling anxious. Mm. This is the medication that you're prescribing me. Before I take one pill, yeah. what's the plan to come off it? Yeah. And I th- I thought it was an interesting way of looking at it between an American view of healthcare. Yeah. Which honestly they have a lot longer in their consultations. Yeah. I mean they pay they do for pay. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they literally pay for it. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I think the expectation of service the doctors mm. in America is much much higher isn't yeah. it yeah
0: mm. and I know that's a generalization and, and here I think it would be my generalization to say that GPs wouldn't offer more time yeah. I'm sure that they do for people who need it but it was an interesting kind of like oh is that more of an American take on a healthcare system could we implement that here I think
1: there's a there's a lot of that isn't there that yeah. actually there are probably things that he there are probably Americanisms in his life and in his work that mm. we could do with adopting. Yeah. And probably plenty of British things he could do with adopting. Absolutely. <laughs> you know,
0: fair, fair. <laughs> Definitely. And I liked his approach to self-care is not always self-indulgence. Nope. So self-care is actually hard work. It's hard work to get on top of the dragon. Yeah.
1: Well and this is it I and mean, it's again one of the really hard messages when somebody's struggling with anxiety is yeah, it's gonna be uncomfortable mm. and yeah, you've got to go through it and it's gonna take quite a lot of effort. Yeah. Because again, what you really want is the spirit to go away magically. Absolutely. And, and it is it does take quite a lot from us. But something that I picked up on and I know you did too, Jen, is how he mentions his support network. Yeah. So his wife, his colleagues, his friends. And actually I think it would be really interesting to get a second John Delaney book. <laughs>
0: A Mrs. John Delaney book. A
1: Mrs. John Delaney book. We would, I would really like to hear, I think we would all really like to hear the opinions, insights, observations of somebody who lives with somebody with anxiety. Yeah. So this is a very first person experience, kind of first person account of John's experience. (laughs) And he kind of casually mentions things like, I had to change job. Yeah. It affected my income. You know, it had an impact on my family. And he's obviously in a position where he's okay with that. And he's come to the other end of that. And they're obviously fine. But for a lot of us, the idea that you'd have to change your job. Yeah. Move, you know, uproot your family, impact your income. That's a really big deal.
0: It is. And what I was really kind of... yes you're right in a glancing phrase he says like we downsized massively we changed states and obviously she works Mm. and so that meant her work had to change her friendship network had to change and i think that's the one thing that i've always wanted therapy unwound to be is a way of helping people who are helping people yes so give the tips and tricks of how to help people going through stuff yeah and it would be great. I mean, it is a quick read. I mean, how, how much can you fit into not very many pages or an hour and a half on um, Audible? But it would be fantastic to learn from that. Yeah. Because, yeah, having kids during that time as well.
1: Yeah, really tricky. And I think, I think you're exactly right. You know, our objective um, on Therapy On is always to hear kind of all sides. So there's the person who has the experience themselves but then there are their loved ones. And actually, that role is almost, that experience is almost as painful as going through it yourself. Definitely. Um, but you're just one step less in control of it. You know, you yeah. can only do so much when it, it's not your own experience. And um, yeah, it's a real, it's a real shame, I think, that there's not more of that brought into this book.
0: Yes, absolutely. So if there's one criticism I would have, it would be, it would be that one, I think.
1: Yeah, we want to hear from your wife, John. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: I bet she's got a great accent too.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: there is that. <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> it was an easy listen. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a very easy listen.
0: But the one thing that I did appreciate is that, there are many things I appreciated, but one of them was the fact that he gives some very hard-hitting advice throughout this whole thing, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he
1: really does.
0: But it's easier for me to read that advice knowing that he's gone through it.
1: Yes, agreed. Because you feel like it's advice he had to take himself. Yeah. And it's, um, it's always easier knowing something difficult has been done by somebody yeah. else in front of you. Absolutely. Um, but you're, do you know, you're, you're very right. And actually, again, I think where the subject of mental health has come into public conversation in quite recent times. Yeah. I think as, as I'm kind of talking about England now, but especially in England. We haven't had a conversation about mental health for a very long time.
0: No, we're very fresh into this. We're very
1: fresh into it. And as a result, we're in that stage where people don't quite know what to say. Yes, And it's quite fluffy sometimes. It's quite awkward sometimes. It's quite insensitive sometimes because there's a lack of understanding. Totally. As you said earlier, it's not so easy to diagnose and a lot of people have to get their head around the fact well I've got no proof that you're suffering with this mental illness yeah and actually as a result sometimes you don't get the direct messages that you might need people yeah. aren't speaking in a plain clear obvious way yeah because there's so many layers and there's so much complexity around this conversation that we've started yeah and he just cuts right through that
0: <laughs> and I like the I mean, he's from Texas, and there's just no bull crap in that, is there? Yeah. That he just cuts straight through it. And I think with us English, we do like to ring around the roses. Oh yeah, we do. And we will use any word that, um, any words that will describe something apart from the word that is needed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to avoid the, un- just to avoid the uncomfortable moment. Yeah. Of skirt and skirt and skirt. But yeah, and again, I mean, perhaps that is just the difference of. Being in America, where yeah. there's, you know, perhaps a little bit more clarity around what they mean, when <laughs> like yeah. they say what they mean, or perhaps it's because he's lived that personal experience yeah. and he feels very comfortable saying, black is black, white is white, this is exactly how it was, yeah. because it comes from his personal experience, whereas I can feel myself doing it now, but when I'm, I'm talking about somebody else's experience, you go, perhaps, maybe, yeah. okay, uh,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: and that's where the, um, the fluff can come from sometimes.
0: I do find in my daily practice at Cornerstone um, with clients that sometimes there is need for radical candor. Yeah. There is kinda of like, well, actually, can we set this down right mm-hmm. now? Call it what it is. And there is often a part in the rehabilitation process. And this is the physical rehabilitation process, where we if we can mentally clear the decks, yeah, the rehab actually is quicker in its effect.
1: Yeah. I and can I can completely see that.
0: And I, I wonder if it's um, time to have an open conversation about how we vocalise this within community.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, if more people could have a read of Redefining Anxiety, yeah. there would be much less need to do the bring around the roses yeah. and the skirting around the subject. Because we'd have all shared that kind of, um, that tone and enjoyed yeah. <laughs> how quickly you can get to the point. Definitely. you just wish to get to the point. And you're right, you know, often it's um, the rock bottom analogy, isn't it? Mm. Things get better when you reach rock bottom. And it's kind of because you eradicate the shame. It's all out yeah. there. This is as bad as it gets. I'm going up now. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. The, the more honest and open we can be in all areas of our mm. life, the quicker you make the progress.
0: Because you and I have talked a lot about shame over the last few yeah. months. And it's something that is quite interesting in this context, I think, because I personally felt very shamed about seven years ago when I started going to therapy. So I still see a weekly therapist yeah. on Monday mornings. I go and see Joe, who is amazing. And it's 50 minutes of just talking it out. Mm. And I think therapy is um, an honest conversation between two people. Yeah. At its very basis, that's what it is. Yeah. You get to the absolute bottom of the trash can and get honest about it and how much it stinks <laughs> and how good it is when it's all empty but um how i'm interested always how you see people are shamed how we shame people and yeah. how that comes up so how have you seen that with mental health
1: i think it's accidental most of the time with mm. mental health it's the accidental shaming of oh you can't manage what i can manage yes. or oh your capacity for something is less than mine mm. and and so much of the time, this is an internal shame that comes from, why can't I do this? I've, and, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in in, a, in having experiences where I think, I've done this before. Why am I feeling anxious about this when I've done it before? Mm. And that shame has come from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and we pop it on ourselves and we carry it around. And then there is the external shaming of, why don't you want to go to this very loud and busy bar when I want to? Yeah. Why are you not comfortable going to the 47th floor of a building and staring out. You know, all of the things that can cause those anxiety kind of moments and attacks and panic. It's the shame of thinking you're not meeting somebody else's expectation or not meeting their standards. Yeah, And it's so complicated because it's very, very, very rarely intentional. Yeah, People don't mean to make you feel like that, but they do.
0: I find also that just... That kind of like micro shaming almost yeah. stops people from being honest about what causes anxiety. Oh yeah. So if you've got somebody who says, actually I find crowds a real issue, mm. it's just like, well have that having that just being able to say that allows mm. a very candid conversation with, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. How can we make that better for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we as people come around you, support that and have as much fun as we want to? Yeah. That doesn't involve huge crowds.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so you know so often and um, there is no you know I don't know a friendship group that would have an issue with that no, not <laughs> at all but it's it's that like you say the weight of the silence of not saying it and the weight of carrying it mm. it becomes this unspoken issue yeah with where then you just turn invitations down yeah or you just say no thanks and you're not clear and then you know then you have the extra layer of anxiety of do they not like me? <laughs> do they think moment. I don't like them? Yeah. Am I missing out? You know, it just gets so complicated. And exactly to your point, if we were just honest and removed mm. that level of shame, none of that would exist.
0: I'd also encourage people who, you know, the friends of those who do have anxiety, even if you don't know that there's an issue. There was somebody who came into the studio, actually, a client of mine, who gave a great piece of advice about depression. Mm. And he, she said, ask somebody if they're okay twice yeah and it was just like such a golden rule and yeah. i had never heard it before and it's just like it's okay to say yeah i'm okay yeah. but when you're asked a second time it's kind of like actually this is a problem yeah. but also the second thing i would say is that if you naturally see that somebody isn't attending a friendship group invite often mm. have a cup of coffee with them yeah just ask if there's an issue
1: yeah, try the one-on-one approach. Yeah. And I think you're right, you know, watch, if there's been a change in behaviour, mm. it's important, I think, to understand where that's coming from and yep. um, and to acknowledge that not everybody, as we grow and we evolve, not everybody's going to grow in the same way and some people will start to enjoy things more and others less. And, mm. you, know, the, you know, anxiety really does have such an impact on daily life that as a friend of an anxiety sufferer, you may be picking up on some of the signals, even if they're not telling you with their mouths. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I think that, you know, sleeping, eating, exercising, all those are the first things to go.
0: Totally. Mm -hmm. If someone's looking a bit knackered and they say, oh, I haven't slept in a couple of weeks... I think it's okay if they've offered you that information to say, is everything okay? Yeah. Can we help in any way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like you say, ask twice. Yeah, yeah, always.
0: Ask twice. So the clients who gave me that advice, thank you very much, because yeah. I have totally taken that on board. <laughs> I I su- such a simple golden nugget. <laughs> it was just like, yes.
1: It's going to make consultations a bit longer, isn't it, in the studio? <laughs> I don't mind that. I never <laughs> mind that.
0: The concluding quotes that i just wanted to pop in from john delaney's book it's one of the last things that he says it was lovely it's um it's about worth yeah. so after shame we need to build up the we worth do. and he said you are worth being well and you are worth a full night of sleep mm. you're worth being loved and loving others and you are most certainly not alone
1: oh so lovely i
0: know i had a bit of a heart melt moment yeah,
1: it's so brilliant and do you know what I'm just grateful this book, this very short, quick read book, has put us in a position where actually this conversation just feels so comfortable. Absolutely, yeah. And I think he's right. We are worthy of having open, frank conversations about our wellness. Yeah, totally. And, it, it, you know, it's the old adage, this is not new, but I wouldn't be at all worried about talking to you about a broken leg. Or my frozen shoulder, oh, for sure. or my bad back. Especially in your position as a therapist, I would be very quick to tell you about my physical ailments. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's um it's publications like this one and people like John who make the conversation around mental well being much easier and yeah. much faster and clearer. So yeah. I would say this book gets a big fat five out of five from me it's
0: a five out of five for me but it would get a super gold star if we had a bit more of Mrs Deloney yeah
1: I'm really hoping there's a you know follow up yeah, re- yeah. A anxiety too or a anxiety redefined
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool
1: yeah.
0: so thank you for joining us for the bookery our first one I've loved this and we have another book we do coming up and it's called Breath by J- James Nestor there we go. Very cool guy. And if you want to listen to it on Audible, it's there for you to uh, listen to. And it's also read by the author, James yeah, Nestor. My favorite. And yeah, I think when authors read their own books, they just bring something. I want
1: to hear their authenticity. Mm-hmm. Through, I want to, I want that right from the horse's mouth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I also like him a lot because he's not a natural runner. He hates running and does it for a scientific experiment, which is hilarious. It's really well written. It's all about breathing, our lungs, our cardiac system as well, and his exploration into how um, breathing well can change your life. Mm. And he goes into the anatomy of it, the physiology of it, And he introduces us to a whole new science of pulmonauts, which I love.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I'm about to listen to this book and I'm already excited. It's all so
0: good. So hopefully you'll be all able to join us in about five weeks' time as we look at James Nestor's Breath book. And uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, take care. Take care. Bye.